And you're on right now with Jim Dawes, your daily journal of news, politics, and culture from an American nationalist perspective. Coming to you on the Mojo 5 radio network and streaming on demand on YouTube, iTunes, TuneIn, Spreaker, and Spotify. You can follow me on Twitter at RightNowJimDawes or shoot me an email at RightNowJimDawes at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. You can leave me a voicemail and we might use your call on a future broadcast. That number is 772 772-245-0750. 772-245-0750. Well, I'm afraid we may have given the Iranians the wrong idea about the resolve of the United States uh, Navy and the capability of that task force that we have in the Persian Gulf. This morning, um, actually it was afternoon, over in the Persian Gulf. They're calling it the Arabian Gulf now. Uh, we always called it the Persian Gulf when I was uh, stationed there back in the early 1980s. But uh, they're calling it the uh, Arabian Gulf or the Persian Gulf. The area in question is actually the Straits of Hormuz, a choke point right off the coast of Iran that they like to use to harass international shipping and uh, and try to provoke a conflict with the West, and uh, in this case with the U.S. Navy. And last night they shot down uh, an American surveillance drone. Um, this is an unarmed drone that we were using to monitor their activities in the Persian Gulf. In the last several days, uh, they have attacked international shipping and uh, menaced the American task force with uh, fast attack boats. And they're claiming that this American drone was over uh, Iranian airspace. I think what's going on here, the United States insists they were over international waters, and I think what's going on is uh, the Iranians like to claim more um, airspace off of their coast than the uh, United Nations recognizes, and uh, and so that they can claim that we were in their space when, in fact, we were operating in recognized international waters or above international waters i should say and by shooting down this drone i think uh, what the iranians have uh, demonstrated here is that they have the united states navy and its capabilities and its willingness to engage them all wrong they've been given the wrong signals first by the obama administration that allowed the iranians to uh, to take one of our um, small craft patrol boats um, hostage and uh, and parade their crew in front of the TV to try to embarrass the United States. There was no response from that uh, that required uh, a muscular response. Again, this was another case of Iran claiming uh, waters that uh, were not, in fact, recognized as Iranian waters and are, in fact, international waters. And then the other day when a U.S. Navy helicopter 
actually filmed one of these Iranian fast attack boats removing an unexploded mine, magnetic mine, from the side of one of those oil tankers. Again, we gave them the wrong signal. That boat should have been challenged. And if it uh, refused to stop and be boarded, then it should have been blown out of the water. So this is, uh, you know, a, a repetition that we're giving them the wrong idea, and it's encouraging them to be confrontational. And it needs to stop now. In response to this latest provocation by the Iranians, uh, the president tweeted out, Iran made a very big mistake, exclamation point. Well, that's really interesting. But words, uh, when it comes to this, this type of confrontation, uh, don't cut it. Now, I know what's going on. Iranians are trying to um, ratchet up uh, hostilities in the Persian Gulf in hopes that uh, the weak-kneed Europeans will start uh, trying to get the United States to back off the sanctions that we've imposed on Iran to, uh, in an attempt to bring them to the negotiating table and give up their nuclear weapons programs. Uh, and it cannot be allowed to work. They've been um, they've been under crippling sanctions. Uh, their population is starting to get restive because of it and demonstrating in the streets. And they're starting the 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 Iranian people are starting to really resent these um, these religious Nazis that rule over them, using their resources and their place in the world to constantly agitate for terrorism and uh, Islamic radicalism for which they are now being punished uh, so harshly. So, uh, you know, just to give you a demonstration of how long this has been going on, while I was looking for a clip uh, to, you know, on this topic, I ran across this clip uh, was from October of 2018 under the Trump administration where we, uh, once again, were allowing the Iranian Navy, one of their uh, swift boats, to uh, toy with our uh, naval assets over there. In this case, it was a U.S. uh, aircraft carrier that we were allowing to be approached by one of these Iranian fast attack boats. Just cannot tolerate that. And this clip, I think, is coming from CBS News. This exclusive video showing the tense moment when an armed Iranian fast boat harassed the USS Essex in the Persian Gulf today. Our friends from Iran decided to play with us today. Responding to an American show of force in the air. Racing across the bow of a Navy ship with America's top Middle East military commander on deck. One Iranian attack boat coming as close as 300 yards. All part of the Trump administration's emerging plan to challenge Iran on land and at sea. But today, the Iranians sending their own message to America with ships that are small, fast, and armed. Small, fast, and armed, and you can't let them get within 300 feet of an aircraft carrier. That, uh, that is a disaster waiting to happen. They have missiles that can take down an aircraft carrier that you can carry on one of these fast attack boats. Uh, it should have been challenged well before this, and if it continued to approach, it should have been taken out of the water so that they wouldn't get the idea that uh, they can get away with this kind of thing again. So I've got a clip here now. This is CNN reporting from the Persian Gulf. They were able to put a reporter 
in one of the uh, vessels that was responding from the U.S. Navy to this latest um, mining, targeting of oil tankers in the Persian Gulf. And, uh, and he sort of puts this in perspective. This was the kind of reporting that CNN actually used to do before they became the 24-hour Never Trump network. They were actually the place where you didn't watch it all the time, but when you had breaking news, you would turn on CNN to see what was happening because they had an extensive network of reporters all over the world. They may still have that network. I don't know, but they're not uh, they're not utilizing it now. They just have these uh, 15 member panels all declaring Trump a traitor and uh, demanding impeachment. But here's their report from the Persian Gulf yesterday. An American naval craft fast approaches a Japanese ship allegedly attacked with an Iranian mine. Gunboat diplomacy. The U.S. taking the media to see the damage done to the Kukuka Courageous. This hole just over my shoulder, the Americans say, was caused with an Iranian-built limpet mine. They can't say, however, with any total certainty that it was put there by the Iranians. Nonetheless, it... Yeah. There's uh, some CNN bias for you. They think that the Iranians were just removing one of these magnetic mines from the side of this Japanese oil tanker, but they didn't place it. They were obviously removing the mine because it didn't explode and they wanted to get rid of the evidence. And as I say, that ship that was being, or that, uh, that fast attack vessel that was being filmed by an American helicopter should have been challenged to stop and prepare to be boarded, or it should have been taken off of the off of the surface of the water. Back to this clip. Blew through both the outer hull and the inner hull of this ship, penetrating the fuel tank area. Some experts have said that that is deliberate. It was a sign that whoever planted this mine knew what they were doing, that they wanted to send a signal but not cause a disaster. In other words, they wanted to cause a huge explosion, but they didn't want to sink this ship. But So they set the mine above the waterline, blew uh, big holes in the side of it, but that one mine didn't go off. And then we've got video of the Iranians uh, approaching with one of their fast attack uh, vessels, very identical to the one that they used to approach those disabled uh, American, uh, they were riverine craft uh, that were transiting the Persian Gulf, and uh, back in the Obama administration and take those hostages. But, um, you know, know what they were doing. It's, it's not terribly complicated. Uh, and the fact of the matter is one of these mines didn't explode and then forced them to go out there and recover it. The signal is hands off Iran. The disaster would be all out war. U.S. naval experts strongly believe that the mine here and one removed by Iranian commandos from this same ship were Iranian. The U.S. Navy recovered a magnet from one limpet mine and fragments of another, which has led them to this. What I can tell you is that the limpet mine that was used in the attack is distinguishable. Well, we, uh, we're sending the wrong signals over there. We've got to ratchet up. We, you know, the American people are sort of shell-shocked with these endless wars in the Middle East. That's not what's going on here. This is uh, the U.S. Navy being challenged on the high seas international waters doing its job securing free um, navigation and movement through international waters and we just can't tolerate uh, what the iranians are doing 
uh, they've got uh, this idea that they can get away with this because we've beginning we repeatedly sent these messages of weakness to them. And what ought to happen here as a result of this latest downing of an American drone is we should identify the air uh, defenses, the radar networks that uh, guided this missile to this drone, and that should be uh, disabled. It should be taken out. And that would be an appropriate response to this action uh, that if you're going to use your military assets against us, that we're going to take them off the board. The Democrats have been absolutely silent on this topic, except for to question whether or not we can believe the President of the United States when he says that uh, Iran is behind these uh, most recent attacks. And I absolutely understand, and I I agree, that I am sick of American involvement getting bogged down in these endless wars in the Middle East, but that's not what's going on here. No one's talking about the invasion of Iran or the occupation of Iran. As a matter of fact, I would take all of the ground forces out of the Middle East. But, um, you know, you just can't put up with Iran uh, getting frisky with the United States Navy like this. That will just encourage more conflict over there so it's going to be interesting uh if the president does you know follow up on his uh his tweet iran made a very big mistake with any actual action i know that the u.s navy is prepared to take whatever actions the commander-in-chief orders and they're anxious to uh to get on with the mission over there and sort of uh as as uh, Barney Fife used to say, nip this in the bud. We need to make sure that Iran knows that there's going to be a, pay, a price to pay for challenging the United States Navy. So they had a big uh, hearing in Congress, the House of Representatives yesterday, in a, chair, in a, uh, a committee chaired by Stephen Cohen of Memphis, Tennessee, probably the stupidest member of Congress. Now, I know the competition for the stupidest member of Congress is pretty um, pretty tight. You've got AOC running around. You've got uh, Ilhan Omar running around. Hell, you got Nancy Pelosi and James Clyburn. And Elijah Cumming and Adam Schiff. Adam Schiff is—he's uh, got to be running a close second. But the 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 award for the stupidest member of the U.S. Congress has to go to Steve Cohen of Memphis, Tennessee, and he held a committee hearing yesterday on reparations. This notion that we're going to hold uh, today's generations responsible for slavery that occurred to blacks over 150 years ago now. No slaves are alive, no children of slaves are alive. I would, I would dare say that there is a, no more than a small handful of the children of children of slaves still alive. Maybe not even that. And this is, uh, this is one of these cultural Marxist movements that has emerged from our universities where we have funded these, these departments, identity politics, grievance departments, that have ginned up these rationales. Uh, they, they were able to get a hearing in the House of Representatives, and this idiot's 
Stephen Cohen's committee, and they were coming to the microphone, you know, making this this case that they have been working on and, and um, you know, studying for the last 20 or 30 years. They finally got a hearing, and they're up there saying that, that uh, today's generation has to pay, the today's generations of whites have to pay today's generations of blacks for what the whites' ancestors did to the black ancestors. I would just respond and, and you know, the Republicans basically in this committee yesterday were just cowering, afraid to say the obvious, and that is that there are no reparations owed to anybody living today. The truth of the matter is, and this is the, the ugly truth that nobody will talk about, is to is that blacks living in America today hit the jackpot. They are benefiting greatly because their ancestors suffered through the indignities and the brutality of slavery. They would not be here were it not for their ancestors being brought here as slaves. They would still be in Africa. And they might be on one of those, uh, those boats trying desperately to get into Europe or, or um, flying into South America and walking up through Mexico trying to get into the United States. There was great suffering of, by the ancestors of current black Americans. But current black Americans are benefiting from that suffering. They're not suffering because of it. And any reparations that, uh, that were owing were paid for during the Civil War where almost 700,000 Union soldiers representing the U.S. government fought and died to secure their freedom. And just on the larger issue, slavery has been going on for thousands and thousands of years. It was the United States, England, and the other Western nations that outlawed it and started preventing the slave trade on the high seas. And what I have to ask is, you know, we see across the South these attacks vandalism and tearing down uh, Civil War monuments. Why don't you ever see blacks putting up any monuments to the uh, officers and men of the Union Army that secured their freedom? You don't ever see any of that. This is all just an effort by the Democrat Party to once again divide Americans, to promise free stuff, to different groups in order to try to win elections. They're so desperate for power that they don't mind tearing this country apart. They don't care what kind of damage they do. But the current uh, ancestors of slaves are not suffering because they were their, their ancestors were slaves. They're benefiting by it. That seems such an obvious point you just can't believe that nobody pointed this out at yesterday's hearing but there was some very good testimony one came from Burgess Owens he's a former NFL player who is uh is now um you know conservative Republican and he pointed out another very hard truth the Democrats are having to deal with and that is that the Democrats 
are the ones responsible for slavery. I'm going to talk about some ideologies. And when I talk about them, I'm not talking about people. People change. I used to be a Democrat until I did my history and found out the, 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 the misery that that party brought to my race. So when I talk about these ideologies, ideologies don't change, people do. We are fighting for the heart and soul of our nation against socialism, Marxism, and the evil that it has brought to us in the stealing of our history. Karl Marx said it best, the uh, author, the father of socialism, an atheist, anti-Semite, and a blatant racist. Yeah, we teach his philosophy in our school systems today. He said it. The first battleground is rewriting of our history. You steal our history. You steal our pride in our past, our appreciation for our present, and our vision for our future. And every single urban city in our country is now experiencing that loss. Real quick history, because these are things we're not taught. I'm blessed to be the great-great-grandfather of Silas Burgess. Came here in the belly of a slave ship. Sold in Charleston, South Carolina with his mother to the Burgess Plantation. An evil, evil man that drove my, my great-great-great-grandmother either to leaving her family, her kids, or uh, committing suicide. I don't know. She disappeared. But South at eight of age, age of eight, was blessed to be surrounded by men who believed in freedom. Even though they were shackled, they escaped. They went the southern route of the Underground Railroad, facilitated by white and Mexican-Americans. And he's made his way out south to Texas. He ended up being a successful entrepreneur, owned 102 acres of land, paid off in two years. Started the first black church, the first black elementary school. Pillar of his community, 18 kids, Christian, Republican, his first son was Alpha Omega, proud American, an example of what happens when any race, any culture is given hope, opportunity, and freedom. And that's what exactly what blacks in this country today have been given as a result of the suffering of their ancestors. There are no rape, reparations owed. They haven't been damaged. And there was another uh, excellent witness, a black witness, that came forward yesterday and said, uh, keep your reparations. I'm no victim. Any suffering that was done was done by my ancestors. But paying reparations to all descendants of slaves is a mistake. Take me, for example. I was born three decades after the end of Jim Crow into a privileged household in the suburbs. I attend an Ivy League school. Yet I'm also descended from slaves who worked on Thomas Jefferson's Monticello plantation. So reparations for slavery would allocate federal resources to me, but not to an American with the wrong ancestry, even if that person is living paycheck to paycheck and working multiple jobs to support a family. You might call that justice. I call it justice for the dead at the price of justice for the living. I understand that reparations are about what people are owed, regardless of how well they're doing. I understand that. But the people who are owed for slavery are no longer here. And we are not entitled to collect on their debts. Reparations, by definition, are only given to victims. So the moment you give me reparations, you've made me into a victim without my consent. Not just that, 
You've made one-third of black Americans who poll against reparations into victims without their consent. And black Americans have fought too long for the right to define themselves to be spoken for in such a condescending manner. The question is not what America owes me by virtue of my ancestry. The question is what all Americans owe each other by, by virtue of being citizens of the same nation. And the obligation of citizenship is not transactional. It's not contingent on ancestry. It never expires, and it can't be paid off. For all these reasons, Bill H.R. 40 is a moral and political mistake. Thank you. Well said. Couldn't have said it better myself. When we come back from the break, I'm going to let you hear Steve Cohen's response to that very stirring statement right after these messages on Right Now with Jim Dawes. When the weather outside is frightful, the Hyundai Santa Fe is, hmm, what's the word, delightful. Because it's got available H-Track all-wheel drive to make being out together better. Enter for your chance to win the newly redesigned Santa Fe, packed with all the jingle bells and whistles you need to go dashing through the snow together. To enter, visit Amazon.com slash Hyundai or scan the QR code on specially marked red and green Amazon boxes. No purchase necessary. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwans.com backslash yum for details. And you're back on Right Now with Jim Dawes, your daily journal of news, politics, and culture from an America first perspective on the Mojo 5.0 radio network. So there were just a few glimpses of truth that came through during yesterday's hearings on reparations. I could play for you hour after hour of one unhinged leftist and led by Danny Glover, of all people. I don't know why we're turning to Hollywood actors to give us uh, moral guidance anymore, but uh, you had you had clergy come forward and say that uh, it, it, it was... Uh, Necessary for white people's salvation to support reparations. To pay money to people who were never harmed from people who never did any harming. As a matter of fact, that would just uh, be paying people that have benefited by the suffering of their ancestors. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. But after that, uh, that last speaker that I played before the break finished his statement uh, saying that uh, you can keep your reparations. I want to maintain my dignity and self-worth. Here was um, the, the audience reaction and how Steve Cohen, the chair, idiot chair of that committee. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Hughes. Chill, 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 chill. He was presumptive, but he still has a right to speak. He was presumptive. But he still has a right to speak. 
Well, it's very nice of uh, the very white Steve Cohen to acknowledge the fact that the witness who is black and who doesn't want to be patronized to by these uh, these Marxist good whites allow him to speak and acknowledge that he has that right. But then he has to get in that dig, calls him presumptuous. Presumptuous? How is he presumptuous? He called him an, uh, as a witness, and he told you what he had to say. He was presumptive, but he still has a presumptive. right Presumptive. He is presumptive. What an idiot. Steve Cohen literally doesn't have walking around since. It's a great shame for Memphis that uh, he represents them in the U.S. House of Representatives. There was a big article in this morning's New York Times, and they are are uh, are just just so hurt. Actually, it was in the Wall Street Journal, written by um, Schultzberger, the young Schultzberger that uh, is the publisher now of the New York Times. And the uh, the title of the op-ed was "Accusing the New York Times of Treason." Trump crosses a line. And he goes on and on on this, uh, this column. He's saying that, uh, you know, when the president said that the New York Times was committing virtual treason by publishing the, uh, the story, the leak from the deep state that the United States had placed malware in the Russian power grid that would allow us to disable it, Trump called the publication of that story virtual treason. And uh, Schultzberger is A.G. Schultzberger, not Pinch. It's uh, the son is A.G. Schultzberger. Says, first it was the failing New York Times. Then, fake news. Then, enemy of the people. President Trump's escalating attacks on the New York Times have paralleled his broader barrage on the American media. He's gone from misrepresenting our business to assaulting our integrity to demonizing our journalists with a phrase that's been used by generations of demagogues. And now the president has escalated his attacks even further, accusing the times of a crime so grave it is punishable by death. (laughs) This is rich. This same New York Times that is now crying that the president accused them of virtual treason for actually committing a treasonous act publishing uh, the equivalent of troop movements and and um, force strength by letting the Russians know that, uh, you know, we're preparing for uh, cyber warfare against them. They have not hesitated for the last three years to publish people in their news sections, not only on their opinion pages, but also in their news sections, Raising the specter that the the President of the United States is a traitor to the country, has committed treason. They've actually won Pulitzer Prizes for making these accusations. But you turn that around and you accuse the New York Times of committing treason when, in fact, it was actually published in their pages. And old A.G. Schultzberger runs to the Wall Street Journal to cry and and, uh, and urge everybody to feel sorry for them. And the New York Times has never questioned the, uh, the propriety 
of the rest of the media and entertainment industry constantly beating this drum that the president of the United States committed treason with the Russia collusion hoax. Hell, you've got a a cable network, MSNBC, that's basically dedicated to around the clock for the last two years accusing the president of the United States of treason. You've got former law enforcement and intelligence officials that are paid by these cable networks to go on there and accuse the president of the United States of committing treason. You might remember John Brennan, former head of the CIA, uh, accused Trump of treason. Did it again and again. New York Times never said that that was dangerous. You've got uh, Senator Blumenthal. You've got um, former uh, Governor Granholm. You've got Eric Swalwell, Adam Schiff. All of these people have been running around accusing the President of the United States of, as, of treason. New York Times never had any objection to that. Hell, the New York Times has published articles or op-eds in their newspaper accusing Trump of being a would-be Hitler, a fascist, a dictator, a Nazi, a Klansman, white supremacist. They've even made uh, allusions to the possibility of the assassination of the president. They've accused his son, Don Jr., of treason for taking a meeting with a Russian lobbyist that was, in fact, working for Fusion GPS, by the way. They accused Don Jr. of treason. None of that was treason. None of it was true. It was all ginned-up hysteria. But what the Times did was actually publish American uh, capabilities to uh, engage one of our, what do they call them, um, uh, greatest adversaries in the cyber warfare space on their pages. And by the way, they they went so far as to say all this was going on without the president's knowledge, further weakening America. When Trump went to Helsinki and met with Vladimir Putin, the New York Times accused him of treason. This this is rich, A.G. Schultzberger. Accusing the New York Times of treason is crossing the line. Now, accusing the President of the United States of treason, well, that's perfectly okay. That's how we sell papers. <laughs> I've, uh, you know, what's uh, interesting is if you go and search Trump and treason now, you get page after page of A.G. Schultzberger and all of his uh, his allies in the media decrying the fact that Trump accused the New York Times of treason for publishing that article. You've got to go many, 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 many pages in before you get to this litany of all of these people that have been calling Donald Trump a, tra- a traitor for all of these years. CNN and MSNBC actually pay people to call the president treasonous. And in addition to John Brennan, you got this former military general, Ralph Peters, 
who is suggesting that Trump was a traitor. To me, there is one core question facing our country today. One paramount question, and that is, has the President of the United States committed treason against the United States, specifically in service, in thrall of some sort, to Vladimir Putin? Oh, my God. I mean, I could play those kind of clips for hours. And I could cite you headlines. Trump, treason in Helsinki, question mark. That's the Washington Post. Trump, not understanding treason, names people he thinks committed treason. It's just, I mean, I guess the defining characteristic of uh, today's leftists is a t- total and utter lack of self-awareness and and um, mis- and and lack of their own sense of hypocrisy. So yeah, the New York Times committed a treasonous act when it published United States military capability. They took these leaks that were obviously designed to hurt the president. It was uh, basically a shot over the bow because uh, the president is starting to dig into the CIA. Somebody in the intelligence community leaked this information to the New York Times and the New York Times, the same people that published the Pentagon Papers, by the way, ran out there as fast as they could and published them. So... (laughs) Have you noticed that uh, old Joe Biden is finally coming under uh, some scrutiny? I've been saying for the longest time that Joe Biden is is either going to do one or two things. He will become the uh, the Democrat nominee and he'll lose in a landslide against Trump. Or he'll be taken down by the, the modern day leftists in the Democrat Party and they'll lose in a landslide. And... Joe Biden went to uh, sallied forth the other day and, and was bragging to a group on Wall Street that uh, he used to be able to work hand in glove with segregationists in Congress when he uh, when he was elected. He bragged about working with uh, Herman Talmadge, senator from Georgia, and this uh, Eastman or Eastland, who was a senator from Mississippi both staunch segregationists, and he was simply pointing out that he was able to work with people with whom he disagreed. Well, oh, oh buddy. <laughs> the, uh, the leftist Democrats pounced, as they like to say. To coddle the reputations of segregationists, of people who, if they had their way, I would literally not be standing here as a member of the United States Senate, is, I think, um, it's just, it's misinformed and it's wrong coddling she says and uh and if it was up to them she wouldn't be there well that would be one positive side effect it doesn't make him any better but uh at least harris wouldn't be there de blasio um the new york mayor that's polling at three percent actually zero percent in the polls had this to say in response to Biden. they're just looking for an opportunity to attack him my wife is African-American. I think the bottom line here is why on earth would a Democrat speak nostalgically of working with a segregationist? Speaking nostalgically. Well, he was trying to make a point that they refused to recognize. And here's Biden uh, defending what he had to say. 
The point I'm making is you don't have to agree. You don't have to like the people in terms of their views, but you just simply make the case and you beat them. You beat them without changing the system. Are you going to right, apologize thanks, like Cory Booker apologize has called for? Apologize for what? Cory Booker's called for it. Cory should apologize. apologize. He knows better. There's not a racist bone in my body. I've been involved in civil rights my whole career. Period. 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 He says he's been involved in civil rights his whole career. He is the uh, the senator from Delaware. He was elected at a very young age. And to in order to get elected from Delaware, he had to take some very segregationist uh, positions, including his opposition to school busing. He went through all sorts of mental gymnastics in order to uh, to explain those positions. But the truth of the matter is, Joe Biden uh, came to the Congress, the U.S. Senate, at a time when uh, when before um, you know the leftist purged the segregationists from that institution, and he he has a long history of working with them and. It will come to light that he's had uh, much closer relationships than he likes to admit with many of those people. And he calls for uh, Cory Booker to apologize because Cory Booker was one of the first blacks, well, one of the first Democrats, I should say, that attacked Biden. They've been waiting for this moment to pounce. They love to use that word against Republicans. Republicans pounce. So the Democrats uh, use this slip up by Biden in order to pounce. And here's what... um, what Booker had to say about whether or not he should apologize to Biden. Are you going to apologize? Uh, You know, the vice president said I should know better, and this is what I know. As a black man in America, I know the deeply harmful and hurtful uh, usage of the word boy and how it was used to dehumanize and degrade. Um, I know that segregationists like the two people you were talking about through their laws and their language uh, deeply wounded this nation and the present-day manifestations of their work can still be seen in black and brown communities like the one I go home to. Uh, I know that somebody running for... What are you talking about, like the black and brown communities like the one you go home to? This guy is a uh, an Ivy League graduate. He was raised the son of two IBM executives in a, a very well-to-do family. He went to, I think it was uh, Princeton... Then got a law degree from Yale, went to Rhodes, uh, had, was a Rhodes Scholar, went to Oxford University. Been raised in the lap of luxury, makes millions of dollars a year from selling out American interests to pharmaceutical companies. Trying to don the manhood of victim and likes to cite this. So this word boy was hurtful to me. Well, you know, one of the favorite terms of black people when referring to white men are white boy. They like to call us white boys. They never miss an opportunity to say white boy. But Booker's out there pretending that uh, the the term boy has hurt him and that even referencing the fact that these old segregationist senators used to use the term boy has somehow hurt his feelings. The president of the United States, somebody running to be the leader of our party, should know that using the word boy in the way he did uh, can cause hurt and pain, and we need a presidential nominee and the leader of our party to be sensitive to that. And the last thing I know is, is I know that I was raised to speak truth to power, and that I will never apologize for doing that. 
What you should apologize for is what you did to the city of Newark, New Jersey. You were there mayor for eight years of Newark, New Jersey, and the place continues to be uh, more akin to a third world country than a major U.S. city. You should apologize for that. You should apologize to Brett Kavanaugh for smearing him and attempting to destroy his career and his reputation. You should apologize to Kirsten Nielsen for calling her all sorts of uh, vicious and vile uh, names when she was before your committee for simply doing her job enforcing the laws that the U.S. Congress had passed. You got a lot of apologizing to do. And it wouldn't hurt for you to apologize to old Joe Biden. Joe Biden has been out there on the campaign trail apologizing to everybody that will listen for being a white man, for his treatment of lying Anita Hill, for anything else he could think to apologize for. Why don't you apologize too, Corey? I'm glad Joe Biden demanded an apology. They should all apologize. The whole damn 24-member Democrat field should apologize. And if Joe Biden is going to apologize for anything, Joe Biden ought to apologize for the corruption that he is engaged in while he was vice president of the United States. He believed that he would never run for another public office and that he was free and clear that he was uh, free to engage in obvious and blatant corruption by using his position as a vice president of the United States in order to secure huge payoffs to his cocaine-addicted son, Hunter Biden. And a little bit of that is starting to come out. The knives are starting to come out for Joe Biden because they know, they can tell that he's not able to beat Donald Trump. He's too low energy. He's got too much baggage. He's just another, he's just a male clone of Hillary Clinton. And so the, uh, the, uh, the knives are starting to come out for him. And even on ABC News, they are, they're starting to look into uh, these issues with uh, Hunter Biden, Biden getting payoffs in return for favors from Joe Biden when Joe Biden was Secretary of, uh, was Vice President of the United States. This is actually an issue Joe Biden has been dealing with since 2014, but it's come up again because he's now running for president. Republicans, including President Trump, are trying to hammer Biden over this. At issue, was Hunter Biden profiting off his dad's work as vice president, and did Joe Biden allow it? We're talking about millions of dollars in at least two countries. Did he allow it? Did he allow it? No, he didn't allow it. He facilitated it. He participated in it. He coordinated it. ABC News did a story on this. All of this story obviously was uh, broken by Peter Schweitzer in his excellent book. And ABC News is uh, is covering it. They're trying to soft sell it, just you know, so that uh, none of these clips could be able to be used in Trump campaign commercials on the off chance that uh, Joe Biden does become the Democrat nominee. But he did he turn a blind eye to it? No, he didn't. He didn't allow it. He coordinated it. That He was the, the mastermind behind it. 
Mr. Vice President, Tom Yamas with ABC News. How you doing? Got a quick question for you. It's a question we tried to ask repeatedly. Can, can, can we ask you about Ukraine and China? But kept getting blocked. Question. Oh, that's uh, that's Joe Biden's specialty now. They're not letting any any press approach him. He's not going to answer hard questions. He's not going to be put in positions where he can uh, do his demonstrated foot and mouth act. He's going to keep them as far away as possible. And he certainly uh, is going to try to wait until this Hunter Biden issue blows over. It's about foreign deals his son Hunter Biden pursued. My father, Joe Biden. In countries where Joe Biden was working as America's top diplomat. In 2014, Ukrainians, sick of corruption, revolted. Vice President Joe Biden went to Kiev to help the new government. You have to fight the cancer of corruption. So Biden says you have to fight the cancer of corruption. So they put a a prosecutor in place to to try to root out corruption. And in return, uh, one of these companies that was being investigated, a natural gas company, decided that they would uh, take defensive measures and hire Hunter Biden on their board so at, in hopes of inoculating them against uh, investigations of corruption. And guess what? It worked. Old Joe, as vice president of the United States, got on the phone to the Ukrainian president and told him if he didn't fire that prosecutor, that $1.5 billion in loan guarantees that the Ukrainian government was absolutely counting on in order to be able to survive would be canceled. They don't mention that in this ABC report. You have to read Peter Schweitzer's book for that. Then something strange happened. Just three weeks later, a Ukrainian natural gas company, Burisma, accused of corruption, appoints Hunter Biden, seen here in their promotional videos, to their board of directors, paying his firm more than a million dollars a year. Hunter, a lawyer who had just been discharged from the Navy Reserves for testing positive for cocaine. Mr. Hunter Biden. He had served on other boards, but had no known experience in Ukraine or natural gas. No known experience in Ukraine or natural natural gas or any other reason for him to be on that board other than his dad was sleepy, creepy Joe Biden. And it worked. Joe Biden picked up the phone, called the president of Ukraine, told him if he didn't fire the prosecutor looking into this natural gas company that Hunter Biden was getting a million dollars from to serve on the board that he was going to block this uh, these loan guarantees and that's exactly what happened it is a blatant quid pro quo if a republican ever tried to get away with something like that it would be non-stop round the clock coverage they'd have all the democrats going to the well and the uh, the house and the senate demanding the resignation and about a third of the republicans would join them And the fact that Joe Biden has turned around and decided that uh, he can run from president now with this record just shows you how akin he is to Hillary Clinton in the pay-for-play schemes. We went to Kiev and found even among Joe Biden supporters in Ukraine, Hunter's hiring was troubling. How do you judge what Hunter Biden was doing? I think that Hunter Biden did a very bad thing, and he was very wrong. He allowed his name 
to be abused. And Ukraine wasn't the only country where Hunter Biden's business and his father's diplomacy as vice president intersected. It also happened in China. This video shows Chinese diplomats greeting Vice President Biden as he arrived in Beijing in December of 2013. Right by his side, his son Hunter. Less than two weeks later, Hunter's firm had new business, creating an investment fund in China involving the government-controlled Bank of China. It's not the government-controlled Bank of China. It is the Bank of China. Owned lock, stock, and barrel by the communist dictatorships in that country. $1.5 billion investment in uh, the vice president's son, cocaine-addled son, Hunter. What did he do to deserve that? Well, he must have been an international high-finance business genius. Well, either that or his name was Biden. With reports, they hoped to raise $1.5 billion. No, not that they hoped to raise $1.5 billion. That's another fudge word used by ABC News. In fact, the Chinese Communist Bank of China invested $1.5 billion in Hunter Biden's, um, uh, what do you call it, uh, investment fund. Hunter still plays a role in the fund. His lawyer says his stake is worth about half a million dollars. No, that's what his current profit off of that stake is. He's been making millions and millions of dollars off that stake, and what's uh, uh, currently being generated is a half a million dollars. Both Hunter and his lawyer say he never discussed any of his overseas work with his father. And if you believe that, I've got a bridge I want to sell you. I'll, I'll sell you some waterfront property in the Okefenokee Swamp. Never discussed it. But even a critic of the current president and his children's business dealings says this. Oh, obviously, what would they say? This is blatant, obvious corruption that Joe Biden engaged in. And now he wants you to elect him vice president of the United States, where his first campaign promise is going to be to take away your tax cut. That's right. Joe Biden is saying his very first priority as president will be to repeal the Trump's tax cut that has supercharged this economy. Number one, we have the greatest income inequity in the history of the United States. The first thing I would do is eliminate the president's tax cut so we can all go back to stagnant wages, high unemployment, companies fleeing the country. This is the Democrats for you. They're so busy engaged in... Uh, the politics of resentment that they will wreck the economy in order to get back into power. Well, that's about it for this edition. I want to thank you for joining us. I invite you back here again tomorrow for another edition of Right Now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo Five O Radio Network. We'll talk to you then. Now is the chance to use reliable energy to grow your money with the Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. Our new investment product offers competitive returns, no maintenance fees, and flexible online access to your money. Make the reliable investment in reliable energy. The Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. To find out more, go online to reliabilityinvestment.com. That's reliabilityinvestment.com. When the weather outside is frightful, the Hyundai Santa Fe is 
Hmm, what's the word? Delightful. Because it's got available H-Track all-wheel drive to make being out together better. Enter for your chance to win the newly redesigned Santa Fe, packed with all the jingle bells and whistles you need to go dashing through the snow together. To enter, visit Amazon.com slash Hyundai or scan the QR code on specially marked red and green Amazon boxes. No purchase necessary. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details.